You are listening to AM Sports with Alex and Martin. Thanks, Kelly, for the intro. Her voice is sounding much better than mine as I'm battling a cold. Welcome back to the AM Sports Podcast. In this episode, I will be joined by someone I met on the underground sports trivia circuit back in the day from 120 Sports, Mr. Carlos Saisu. Carlo, how are you doing, man? Doing great, Martin. I, I, I guess I hear that winter storm Jonas may be touching uh, Oklahoma, too, and giving you a little cold, huh? A little bit, yeah. I've def- I've, I had to travel across country last week and as, during some of the cold weather. Not as cold as it is right now on the East Coast, but I definitely have some of the sim- symptoms. Hey, thanks for joining the show, and I wanted to say happy Kobe-versary, because on this day <laughs> 10 years ago, Kobe scored 81 points against the Raptors. Yeah, what a day. What a day to have me. And uh, as I'm talking to you and wearing my Lakers beanie, 10-year anniversary. I mean, it's unbelievable to think that it's been 10 years since Kobe dropped 81. And uh, I was just watching uh, the game earlier on NBA TV and enjoying it and uh, reliving the memories of where I was at that time. And until uh, I got a text me- message saying Adrian Wojnarowski uh, reports that David Blatt's been fired. So that kind of went wayward. Yeah, what a just out of the blue today. Yeah. Uh, one thing, first thing. Where when, were you? When Kobe scored uh, 81 points? Yeah, yeah. Misawa, Japan, northern Japan. Wow. Yeah, in 2006. Yeah. How did you hear about it then from Japan? I mean, we had Sports Center and all that. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember I lived on base and we had 13 channels for the cable. But AFN was uh, Armed Forces Network. They always yeah. broadcast ESPN and every sporting event you can imagine. So, and it, just by checking, I would watch games on uh, online and follow stuff. So I was able to a game like that. I think that's the second or third most points ever scored in NBA games. So news traveled pretty fast uh, when, when Kobe dropped 81. On Jalen Rose, I think he was the one guarding Kobe that night, and uh, we'll have to retweet re- retweet that to Jalen Rose later. <laughs> give him a little yeah, shout yeah. Out. Hey, one thing I want to ask you is just uh, yes. just give a little background about what you're doing now and where you were before. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, you and I met in the uh, quote underground sports trivia uh, channel by. Uh, it's a rebel well, scene. It's- oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, I was working at ESPN at that time, uh, ESPN Los Angeles, and I ended up uh, spending about four years working there. And uh, since then, I've been spending three years or a little over two years now with uh, 120 Sports here in Chicago. But overall, I've been, I would say, in the sports broadcasting field for uh, unbelievably uh, almost nine years now. Uh, I remember uh, since I was an intern in 2007-2008, um, just going to Laker games for uh, the local ABC station in Los Angeles and being able to interview players in the locker room and go to practices, chat with coaches. And that really kind of exposed me to, uh, quote, working if you can even call it working um in the sports field and and being able to do interviews and kind of pursue a career in sports journalism so going from an internship in at uh kbc in los angeles to working with espn los angeles and having a more prominent role in interviewing and 
chatting with players and kind of covering the Lakers beat as, as well as uh, the Dodgers beat, the Angels beat, uh, and the Kings. Um, I was also producing shows on air for ESPN Radio. And then going from that and kind of jumping into the social media world and the digital media world for ESPNLA.com and eventually moving to Chicago for a startup digital media uh, network called 120 Sports. It's, the company's a little over a year and a half old, and you can find it on your mobile device on Android and uh, iOS as well. But uh, here at 120 Sports, we uh, try to cover sports, all sports. On um, We are live 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And we are providing the sports uh, news and uh, social media reaction, um, similar to what you see on ESPN and Bleacher Report. But the main difference is, is 120 is purely online? Yes, it's it's online and on an app. I really enjoy 120 Sports. I've been because we're friends on Facebook, and I've I've been following you the past couple of years. So I've stayed up on 120 Sports, and I really enjoy. They even have some familiar faces on there. I know Michael Kim is one of the. Uh, I see him on there a lot. A former ESPN anchor. Yeah, correct. Uh, Michael Kim, um, somebody who I, I look up to, as well as uh, Bryant McFadden. Played cornerback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, won former two Super Bowls with them. Yeah, he sure did. Former Florida State uh, Seminole, right? Correct, correct. Yeah. So, uh, been a pleasure to work with him. Our NBA analyst being uh, Antoine Walker. So he's uh, shimmy shaking around uh, the studio here and there. He was on today or within the past couple of days. I saw he did a he had a video segment. Yeah, yeah he's been uh, great in covering. Uh, like the NBA All Star uh, starters being announced the other day, so he's a, he's a wealth of information as well. Going back to when you worked at ESPN, did you have any starstruck moments when you ran it? Not to the athletes themselves, but just some of the anchors and analysts, because those anchors and analysts have become kind of household names these days. Yeah, oh yeah. What I've been told is, uh, if you don't feel starstruck around these people, then you kind of lose a bit of yourself because. These are the people who you want to become as you pursue uh, your career. So when it comes to actually meeting them, that's one thing. But learning to actually work with them on a regular basis is is amazing. Everybody from mentors like uh, John Ireland and Steve Mason, who are big L.A. sports personalities who've been around for uh, almost to more than two decades, to uh, local reporters like uh, even uh, Jim Hill on CBS, who has gotten some national notoriety as well. And uh, faces and names that you see now who are getting even bigger, like a Ramona Shelburne yeah. and Rosh Markazi from ESPN LA originally. And he's a former SI.com writer, correct? Correct. Yeah, I can remember him watch before he worked for ESPN. I used to read a lot of his columns on SI.com. And Ramona Shelbourne, she does a great job covering the Clippers. She had a lot of coverage and insight into the Holly Holm Ronda Rousey fight back in November. Yeah, which is incredible to see. As you mentioned, she was purely an NBA brain, and now she uh, she she turned into uh, Shelburne in Melbourne to cover uh, the Ronda Rousey fight. 
<laughs> I like that. That was pretty smart on her part. That's a good play on last name and words. Yeah, great branding for her. So 120 Sports, it's definitely made some progress in the past year and a half. Where do you see it going over the next couple of years and even further on the, down the line than that? Yeah, the growth of it has been exponential, and I get to see that firsthand by primarily working on the social media side and seeing how our growth, our following is continuing to develop. And just to see that within the two years that we've been out there, um, we've received a lot of uh, publicity across the country. And it's kind of hard coming out of Chicago when you think two media biggest uh, media markets are New York and Los Angeles. So for us, we feel like it's a huge accomplishment. Here or there, been able to break news the way we want to break it by, we have a few insiders, but at the same time, we feel like the internet is our news source. So will we go with rumors? Yes. Will we include that it's a report or it is a rumor? Of course. Um, we don't always have a, a, a foot on the ground to give us facts, but we know who our audience respects, like the Adrian Wojnarowski's uh, for the NBA, like the Ken Rosenthal's for MLB, and the Jay Glazers and the Adam Schefter's in the NFL. Uh, those are guys that we all look up to and respect in the sports reporting world. So when I, whatever they say, as long as it's their official account and not a fake account, uh, a lot of us take it as the Bible. So going back even pre-120 and pre-ESPN days, you went to UCLA, right? I actually ended up going to Cal State Fullerton, but I did spend a lot of time around the UCLA and USC campuses. So what was kind of your involvement in with sports and media back in those times? You know, honestly, it wasn't that much especially because at cal state fullerton yeah huge baseball program i was there during the down years uh for baseball we uh when i came in at 2000 in 2006 um ricky romero had uh just finished pitching his last season for the titans um before getting drafted by the toronto blue jays Romero and the Titans that year won um, the College World Series. But uh, overall, it was some quiet sports years. So I didn't get too involved with the sports programs. Actually, aside from Cal State Fullerton, I was spending a lot of time at a community college called Mount San Antonio Community College, where their football team was considered the number one JUCO uh, football program in the country. And it featured guys, uh, a familiar name, uh, Bruce Irvin, who yeah. played linebacker for or plays linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks, and ended up at West Virginia. West Virginia, he transferred to West Virginia, played for the Mountaineers there. So he went from a Mountie, Mount San Antonio College, to a Mountaineer for West Virginia before, like we mentioned earlier, a Seattle Seahawk, a Super Bowl winning Seattle Seahawk. So good for him. Congratulations to him. But. We had some big names go through the program, and I was able to broadcast their games and, and cover that Mountie football beat for a little bit uh, on their way to uh, two state championships and one national championship while I was there. So it's a great experience being around all that. And when it came to 
being an intern and, and working at ESPN Los Angeles, I was exposed to the bigger programs, as you mentioned, yeah. USC and UCLA, where, uh, yeah, it, football and basketball is looked at, looked at as a religion on campus. So what is the big difference between the sports environment in L.A. versus Chicago? It's amazing. It's uh I came in a, a little uh, not sure what to expect of how different the sports environment is here, but it's drastic. You can see the the passion. If I were to pick a side, it would be with the Chicago fans. And uh, win or lose, their the, their fans are going to be complaining about their teams. <laughs> you, you do see that in Los Angeles as well. But I've always felt that in L.A., there's so many other things to do that if the Lakers aren't winning, if your uh, if the Kings aren't winning the Stanley Cup, if the Dodgers are only reaching the playoffs, or if the Angels are are only reaching the playoffs, you can move on, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that changes within the next year with the LA Rams. Speaking of the LA Rams, what are your thoughts on the Rams moving back to LA? It's still surreal. I am considered part of the generation that has lived in L.A. without a football team. And for you, Martin, I mean, you've been around. Yeah. You've been exposed to the NFL in person, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Me, yeah. So for me to think before I moved here to Chicago, I had never had an NFL team around me. Which is uh, still crazy to to think about, especially when I felt like when I came here, I felt like, all right, is this my time in Chicago to embrace an NFL team with the Bears? Bought a Bears sweater, had had no reason to put it on, except for one. Uh, it was ugly sweater day in the office, so I actually put on the Bears sweater. <laughs> I mean, ever since I've been here, the last two years, they've been an embarrassment around the town. But I've realized that they play one day a week, and they own that day uh, here in Chicago. And uh, I've walked around the streets of Chicago on a Sunday during a Bears game, and it is empty. There are no cars. You feel like there's no trains running, and you can just hear a pin drop in the city because everybody's in front of a TV or even at Soldier Field, which was actually uh, just a few blocks away from my apartment uh, before I had to move. But, uh, yeah, I really felt the intensity of the Chicago Bears fan base, despite all the losses that they've suffered in the last two years. <laughs> I'm actually a Bears fan. Oh, wow. Yeah. Why the Bears? Uh, growing up, my dad was in the military, so... Mm -hmm. Even though I was born and raised in Oklahoma, I don't have roots here. And the Bears were actually the first. I'm 34 years old. So the Bears were the first team I ever watched play when I was seven oh. years old back in 1987, 1988 time frame. Back then, I remember they were playing, I want to say the Cleveland Browns. And I just thought they were. it was fun to watch them. I thought they had cool uniforms. And ever since then, I've been a big fan of the Bears and gone through a lot of heartbreak and struggle. And I'm actually a Jay Cutler fan. You know what? Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I think he gets such a hard flack here in Chicago. And uh, for him to be a gunslinger, didn't have really the protection around him this season. So uh, I'm glad that he's given another chance to uh, to 
try to bring the Bears back into some sort of consistency next year. Well, a lot of people think it's that easy to find a new quarterback, and we saw with the Dallas Cowboys this year when Romo gets hurt. They didn't fare so well without Romo. No, not at all. It's not exactly like you can sign a quarterback off the street, or it's not easy to draft one. So sometimes sticking with what you have is the best best option. Especially if you are wearing a Cleveland Browns jersey. Oh, <laughs> that organization is just doomed oh, for geez. failure. No. They've had four. They've drafted four quarterbacks in the first round over the past fifteen or sixteen years. Now think about that. They've, whereas the Patriots have had one quarterback during that time frame. Incredible. The Colts have had two quarter, starting quarterbacks during that time frame, and the Packers. You know, a lot of successful teams over, during that time frame, only two starting quarterbacks or less. Whereas the Browns have drafted four in the first round, and <laughs> they just keep missing. And I'm pretty sure you've seen it, Martin, and, and I'm pretty sure our listeners have seen it too. That infamous Cleveland Browns jersey that continues to add another name oh, yeah. on, on the back of the jersey. Now, at this point, it's off the bottom of the jersey. <laughs> it's such a shame to be a Browns fan. I don't, I don't know how they exist. Yeah, I still think in... 2011, when they had the number six pick in the draft, and they traded down to number 20, and they traded with Atlanta. Atlanta, of course, took Julio Jones, and the Browns took Phil Taylor. Phil Taylor's been a decent defensive tackle. However, Julio Jones is a top five wide receiver in the league. And I just keep, it's it's stuff like that where they have opportunities to draft solid players. And of course, they trade, they draft the wrong player, or they trade that pick, and it doesn't work out for them. But it always works out for, for someone else, I guess. Yeah, that that just means every NFL team should do a deal with the Cleveland Browns because it'll guarantee that it works out for your team. <laughs> the draft, the movie Draft Day was great. It gave, yeah, it gave them a win. So, would you say that the fans in Chicago are, are more diehard than fans in Los Angeles? Oh yes, uh, I would say that. Um, as we mentioned earlier, there's just so many other distractions in Los Angeles that hey, if your team's not winning. That's all right. We can go. Uh, let's go to Hollywood and go hang out with the stars, or let's go to the beach and uh, we'll take the sun in and enjoy uh, a carefree day without watching uh, the Lakers lose again. <laughs> or we can go uh, snowboarding in the mountains and not worry uh, the Kings play. Oh wait, we have a hockey team. Yeah. Uh, here, here it's okay. The Chicago Blackhawks are the team that owns Chicago right now. It's it's a winning team. So winning uh, does everything for an organization. And uh, what's been amazing to see, though, within the two years I've been here, is the transformation of the Chicago Cubs organization and uh, how incredible that 100-year drought yeah. has turned into a source of optimism across the city. And people cannot wait for April and for the first day of baseball and for Wrigley Field to be open again and feature a team that now has added Jason Hayward to the mix. So the the fact that the Chicago Cubs are no longer your your favorite last place team, your lovable losers, as as people would say, um, has really kind of changed the, the sports outlook for Chicago as well. They're my pick to win the National League this year. The reason, oh, I, wow. the reason I say that is I know they got swept last year in the NLCS, 
Mm-hmm. However, I don't think they weren't to me. They weren't expected to get that far. Like they're they're, they're ahead of where they were supposed to be. I think the 2016 season when is when people projected the Chicago Cubs to make it to the NLCS. The fact they did that last year, they're going to come back better and stronger this year. And they had another bat in Jason Hayward. Things are definitely moving up for the Chicago Cubs, and I, I truly expect them to win the National League this year. Yeah, it was fun to watch. And, and as a Dodgers fan, I was really hoping for a Dodgers-Cubs uh, meeting in the NLCS. But uh, it ended up bad for both. But um, just to see that yeah, this team is really behind, uh, or the city is really behind the Cubs, you really feel it. And it's it's amazing. It's hard to take yourself out of it as somebody who's from out of town. Switching gears to NBA, I try to dance around this subject, but we have to talk about the Lakers, Carlo. (laughs) What's going on in La La, man? What the hell has happened to the Laker organization? It is a lot of La La right now. It's La La. We're waiting for Kobe to... I'm just saying, ever since you left L.A., they've been on the down. I'm just saying, coincidence? I don't know. I'm just putting that out there. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned it, Martin, because, uh, I mean, a lot of people have recognized that as well. And I feel like I do want to come back, and I want to bring that, that uh, I want to return the championship back to L.A., but I think it might have to do more than that than just me returning back to Los Angeles. I don't know. I don't know. Have you been following D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle? Yes, and and I'm a huge D'Angelo Russell fan. Uh, Me too. Being from being uh, here in Chicago now and and watching a little bit more of Ohio State last season, I was in awe of how he can handle the point for the Buckeyes and for Thad Mata's team with his uh, with his no look passes, the, his spin passes that I have never seen before that he would add backspin on passes to his teammates. And and unfortunately, they were unable to finish because they just don't have the NBA caliber talent that their point guard has. And now that he is in a Laker jersey, it's kind of rough. You're not seeing him adjust to the NBA game as well. And uh, you're seeing that also with uh, Julius Randle, who is still trying to find how his game fits in the NBA. I mean, the NBA is fully embracing that stretch four that every team wants to have now. Yeah. But you uh, you look at the head coach, Byron Scott, and you realize these guys aren't getting the full opportunity that they need to develop into real NBA talent players. I still consider Julius Randle a rookie for the simple fact that he missed all of his actual rookie season due to a knee injury. So if you think about him and D'Angelo Russell, they're starting out together, which is kind of exciting. Hopefully they can continue to blossom and just grow and be great players for the Lakers organization. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see um, Kobe pass the torch to this new foundation of D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, and course we can't forget uh jordan clarkson who made the all-rookie first team last year despite being a second round pick so he is a proven talent he's shown that he can score 20 points a game on some nights in in dish 
six to seven assists as well. And he doesn't have to do all that much now that he has more pieces on the table with the Julius Randle and a D'Angelo Russell. But uh, what's important for these guys is, I mean, yes, there is this Kobe farewell tour going on, but I think Byron Scott and the organization needs to realize that you really need to build this organization's future from the foundation of these three guys. And you can even argue to add Larry Nance Jr. to the mix, who has played some games at Power Forward, started some games at Power Forward, and shown that he can hang with some of the top talents in the NBA. That guy has some hops. That guy's a... Yeah. He, can, oh. he can throw yeah, it he down. He gets it from his name, right? Yeah, yeah, as a matter, yeah, absolutely he does. And Larry Nance Jr., I actually got... To I got the privilege of uh, interviewing him uh, before the NBA draft, not knowing that he was going to be a Laker, but chatting with him about the great season that Wyoming had last year and making an unexpected trip into the tournament. And he's somebody who is a joy to talk to, somebody who is very open to talking about um, his hardships. He overcame Crohn's disease to continue his NBA career. And then, of course, you're always living under your dad's name, and you're expected to be a high-fly player like your dad. Yeah. And he's actually following through with that. Do you miss your sports trivia hosting days? <laughs> That's where it all of began. Course. When Carlo met Martin. <laughs> um, yes, uh, sports trivia never escapes me. I, I'm I'm a nerd for the, for the numbers. Uh, I'm a nerd for weird stats like that. And being able to work in social media, you're exposed to so many more voices coming out second by second of weird facts coming from either beat reporters, beat writers, fans, players, teams. And it was, as we were talking about earlier, it just sticks with you sometimes. Um, I mean, here's a fun fact going into uh, Sunday's big games. The Cardinals, the Panthers, and the Broncos have all won less NFL playoff games than Tom Brady has in his career. Wow. How incredible is that? That's a good stat. And and that's the trivia stuff that that I'm always uh, keeping an eye out for. Well, cool. If people want to keep an eye out for you, where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Carlos Sisi. That's Carlo with a K. K A R L O S Y S U. That's on Twitter. Facebook as well. On Instagram, I'm at Camera Carlo, both with a K. K A M E R A K A R L O. You can find me on Snapchat as well. But most importantly, follow us at 120 Sports on Twitter, Facebook. Instagram and on Snapchat, V120Sports. Thanks a lot, Martin. Thank you. Chai Carlo. I remember you posted <laughs> that on Facebook. I remember that. And you're the man who coined sports as my occupation. Yeah, I feel like it. And uh, when you feel like you're not working a day in your life in the sports field, it really becomes your occupation. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Carlos Saisu, everyone. That's all the time we have today. If you want more, like us on Facebook, AM Sports with Alex and Martin. Follow us on Twitter at AM Sports Guys and check out our website, amsportsguys.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care.